very nice to be here with you all. Let me just pray very quickly. Heavenly Father, help us as we look at your word. We stand in need of your spirit to guide us, to be our teacher today. Please teach us and help us to walk in your ways. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Our thinking about the future is so very important. The way we think about the future will decide how we live today. I wonder what dates loom large in your thinking about the future at the moment. What things fill your thoughts about the future? A driving test coming up, or a job interview, doctor's appointment, some course of medicine, schools decisions for secondary schools coming out in March. I wonder what it is that in your mind at the moment that looms large. Either as a, something you're looking forward to, something that you're worried about. Well, this passage is all about well, something in the future. Something that the, the Lord wants to loom large above everything else in our thoughts. Um, it's all about the future. If you saw that, <clears throat> chapter 2, verse 2, it says, In the last days, it's talking about a coming, coming day. Chapter 2, verse 12, it says, The Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty. Chapter 4, verse 2 again, In that day, is a prophecy, prophecy about our futures. It's a prophecy from the Lord to help us live wisely now. That's why we should listen. This is, this is Isaiah, but it's, it's not just Isaiah speaking. In verse 1, it says, This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw. He was a prophet. He's just a postman. Prophets are a postman. Bring a letter, but the letter isn't from the postman. It's from God. He's a, this is something God wants us to hear about our futures. It's about what God wants to loom large in our thinking about our futures. That the Lord has a day. The Lord has a day when he will judge. A day of redemption for his people. A day of redemption for those who put their, put their lives, put their hands in the hand of the Lord Jesus to walk with him. Day is coming, a day of redemption for all those who fear the Lord. And yet a day of judgment for those who, in response to God's kindness and grace, stubbornly continue to refuse Him. The Lord in Isaiah warns us there is a day of judgment coming. God wants, God wants that day to loom large in our thinking, larger than the doctor's appointment, larger than the school's decision overall things, so that we might live wisely now. God says, let that day loom large in your thinking. Ultimately, chapters 2, and two, 3, and 4, they have this very simple message. They say, fear the Lord. I, you must either fear the Lord or dread Him. You can walk in the fear of the Lord, serving Him, taking His hand, trusting His salvation, Trusting him to be your God, saying, Lord, forgive me my sins. Help me to walk with you. Taking the hand of the Lord Jesus. You can fear the Lord, or you can dread him. For there is a day of judgment coming. The Lord is holy and just and righteous. And one day, he will bring perfect justice. That's the call. Fear the Lord. 
Fear the Lord now, rather than dread him later. There is a day of the Lord. Three sections. Um, there's three sections that we'll look at briefly. We don't have time to look into them very, very, very great depth, but there's three sections. There's hope, and then judgment, and then hope again. So hope in the beginning of chapter 2, and the rest of chapter 2, and all chapter 3 is judgment. Promise of God's judgment, his holy judgment. And then wonderfully in chapter 4, I return to hope, even for sinners. A hope, a call to repentance and to turn. So let's just have a look at those three bits in part. Firstly, this great vision, chapter 2, verses 2 to 5. Great vision of hope. The earth will be filled with the glory of God. The earth, all the earth, will be filled with the fear of the Lord. Have a look at verse 2. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted over all the hills, and all nations will stream to it. The pagan nations around Israel thought that their gods lived on high mountains. And Isaiah is saying, God's mountain will one day be seen to be the highest mountain. He will be, God will be seen to be the only true God, the living God. And all the ends of the earth will turn to him and do what it says in verse 3. Many peoples will come and say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we can walk in his paths. That's what it means to fear the Lord. That's why we're gathering together, isn't it? Lord, teach us your ways. Teach us your ways that we might walk in them. That's what it means to fear the Lord. Lord, I need your wisdom. You teach me and help me to walk in your ways. And Isaiah is saying that is going to be the glorious future of this earth. You know, when we pray in the Lord's Prayer, we pray, hallowed be your name. May people come and see that you alone are God. Your kingdom come. May your kingdom fill this world. People obeying and serving you. And your will be done. May people come to see that your ways are best and follow you and turn from their sin. And Isaiah is saying, the day is coming when that will be fulfilled. That prayer that we pray in the Lord's Prayer will be answered. The earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. This world will be filled with people fearing the Lord our God. It will be a reality. All the Gentiles will flow into God's kingdom, saying, Lord, teach us. When was this fulfilled? When is this fulfilled? Well, in a sense, it's already begun to be fulfilled, hasn't it? With the Lord Jesus coming and dying for sinners and rising again, and the gospel going out from Jerusalem to the ends of the world, this is beginning to be fulfilled. The Gentiles are, all, all, the, all the nations of the world are flowing to hear the, hear the wisdom of the Lord God in the Lord Jesus. In a sense, it's begun. It, it began in Jerusalem, didn't it? Remember in the beginning of Acts, Jesus sends out his apostles from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. Just as Isaiah said it would be, the word of the Lord will go out from Jerusalem. That has begun. It's, it's, this prophecy is being fulfilled in us this morning. As we come say, come, let us go to the Lord, that he will teach us, and we might walk in his paths. The Lord is fulfilling this, even now. And yet, wonderfully, 
there is a greater fulfillment. It will be fulfilled in open glory when the Lord Jesus comes again. This is the future of our earth. When the Lord Jesus comes again and his people inherit the earth, this will be the glorious fulfillment of our prayer in the Lord's Prayer. God's kingdom will come. His will will be done in the whole earth. His name will be hallowed. We'll recognize him as the living God and him alone. That's worth pausing and recognizing a, a little bit this morning, isn't it? I don't know what's going on in your lives, but the Lord God says, take a pause, be still for a second, and remember where your future is. Let this loom large in your thinking about the future. This will give you perspective in your worries, in the school decision coming up, or the job interview. This will give you perspective to serve the Lord here and now, no matter what happens, because ultimately, this is where things are heading. The Lord will be exalted, and the Lord alone. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. That's what Isaiah says in the, the end of that little passage, verse 5. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. That's what the Lord is doing. He, he's gathering a people now to, to walk in his ways. One day it will be perfectly, gloriously, sinlessly. This is our, our future, the future of God's people. So here and now, let's walk in his ways now. Let's embrace our holy calling against all the, the voices in the world. The world tries to make sin look like the best thing ever, look like the, the wise choice, like the progressive choice. This passage says, no, right obedience to the Lord God, that's, that's on the right side of history. That's where history is heading. All the world will, will fear the Lord on that day. Secondly, so there's this beautiful passage of hope at the beginning. Pause, do pause and let that loom large in your thinking so that you can persevere today. Secondly, from verse 6 onwards, he begins to speak, Isaiah begins to speak about judgment. Why? Because the Lord's people in Isaiah's day, instead of walking in the light of the Lord, instead of saying, Lord, we're foolish, we need your wisdom, would you guide us? Would you help us to remember that you are working out your good promises and the saviour you promised? Instead of that, instead of being a light to the nations around them, they started copying the nations around them. It's tragic. They were the people of the living God. And they've become proud, thinking that copying the nations around them, following the, they've looked around at other, other nations, thinking they've got it all sorted. Um, the Assyrians, they're so mighty and strong, they must have it all sorted. Let's follow their guys. They've looked at the Philistines and said, they seem to be so powerful and strong, they must know the way to live. Instead of walking in the Lord's way. I wonder if you ever feel like that when you look around at you at successful people in the world that aren't living for the Lord Jesus. I wonder if you ever think, they've got it sorted. Perhaps if I could just be a little bit more like them, I'd be a success too. But Isaiah in chapter, the rest of chapter 2 and in chapter 3 warns them, there is a day of judgment. There's a day of judgment against the pride and idolatry of the world. Don't copy the world, don't envy the world. The Lord has a day in store. We must fear him now 
walk in his ways. Boy must dread him, but he has a day coming for the whole earth. Don't envy the nations around you. Don't envy the godless. Isaiah says in chapter 2, to his, his people that have turned their back on the living God, the God who is mighty and merciful and true and the, source of, the only source of hope and eternal life, they've turned their back on him to follow idols of the nations around them, things made by their own hands, to worship empty, foolish things, things that cannot give real life. Isaiah says to the people, you think you're full, will be shown to be utterly empty on that day. There's a, a look at the, the repetition of the word full from verse 6 onwards. Says, they are full of superstitions from the east. Verse 7, the land is full of silver and gold. There's no end to its treasures. The land is full of horses and chariots. The land is full of idols. They bow down to the work of their hands. They think they're so full of it. They think they've got it all sorted because they've copied the nations. Isaiah say, you couldn't be more wrong. You're empty of the most important things. You're empty of the fear of the Lord. You're empty of turning away from your sin and trusting Jesus and taking his hand. That's what life's all about. But you're empty of it. Nothing else can make you full if you're empty of that. And we get this awesome warning in verse 10. Go into the rocks. Hide in the ground from the fearful presence of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty. You won't fear the God. If you won't fear God now and walk in his ways, you will dread God. Because the Lord is just and holy. And there is a day, there is a day when those who think they are full will be shown to be empty. There's a day when those who think they are lofty and high will be brought low. That's what continues to say in verse 12, the Lord Almighty has a day in store for all the proud and lofty, for the cedars of Lebanon, those high trees, for all the towering mountains, all the high hills, every lofty tower, every fortified wall, everything that thinks it's really high in this world. The arrogance of man will be brought low. Human pride will be humbled. The Lord God will be seem to be the true and living God. And those who have despised him and ignored his ways, despised him as the living God, despised his rule, will be brought low. Chapter 3 goes on to, to talk about the way the Lord is going to punish his people for their rebellion. And much of chapter 3 is fulfilled in the Babylonian. The Lord, the Babylonians, the Lord brings war upon his people. And the, the proud men are destroyed. The, 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 the women that it talks about in chapter 3 who are proud and proud of their own beauty will be humbled, brought low. And that's what we get at the end of chapter, no, the beginning of chapter 4, that's what it's talking about. I was reading on the BBC actually, um, the, from the census a hundred years ago, it's really interesting. And there was a time, because, because World War I had decimated the male population, the census from 100 years ago is really interesting. The uh, number of women unable to find, find husbands at that time because half a million of the men of England had been had killed. That's what kind of judgment the Lord is talking about in chapter 3. He tells his people, because you've turned your back on me, 
the Lord of life, the living God, the creator of the ends of the earth, to follow the evil practices of those around you, the pride, the wickedness, the idolatry. He's going to decimate the country, bring war, take away the map, take away the, the proud rulers, humble the women. That's what chapter 4, verse 1 is talking about. In that day, seven women will just take hold of one man and say, we'll eat our own food, we'll provide our own clothes. Just let us be called by your name. Take away our disgrace. The Lord warns, it's just a, even, even that terrible judgment of the Lord by the Babylonians was just a picture, a picture for them and a picture for us of the day of the Lord. That the Lord, why, why is it here? Because the Lord doesn't change. Because sin remains ugly and horrible. Sin is our living in God's world, ignoring Him. Living in God's world, ignoring Him and His commands. And playing at God, as if we were God. And Isaiah says, what are you doing? Chapter 2, verse 22, stop trusting in mere humans. Stop thinking of something important and that you can, you can play at God. God is the only God. Mere humans just have a breath in their nostrils. If you want to be convinced you're not God, try not breathing for a little bit. As human beings, we need things. We need food. We need water. We need air. We need... Otherwise, we fall apart. We're not God. God doesn't need to breathe. God doesn't need food. doesn't need water. God exists before all else and made everything else. We are just dependent human beings. And what arrogance it is that we should stand up and say, we'll play at God. The Lord says, there is a day coming when he will be exalted and he alone. But Isaiah doesn't end with words of judgment. We had hope, judgment, wonderfully hope. Chapter 4 continues after words of judgment, words of hope. Friends, brothers and sisters, that's such good news. After words of judgment, hope. That means God knows the sinfulness of his people, and yet he still speaks hope. Even in the depths of their sin, there is hope. Even in the depths of your sin and my sin, there is hope. There is a saviour. That's why chapter 4 can continue with hope. Because there is a saviour, as the rest of Isaiah will go on to explain, there is a man much better, a much better deal than these seven women are, are, are begging for in, in verse 1. Seven women saying, we'll do everything, we'll pay for our clothes and our food, just let us be called by your name. There is a man, the Lord Jesus, who came to be our saviour on much better terms, who says, just come to me and I will be your everything. I will call my name over you, I will take away your disgrace, I will pay for everything. I will be your saviour. That's why chapter 4 continues with wonderful hope that there is going to be, God says, a remnant who turn back to the Lord. No matter how deep your sin is, take hope in this. Um, briefly, chapter 4 says, the Lord promises to remake a people for himself. How glorious. The Lord promises to remake a people in our disgrace to make us beautiful. If you're feeling despairing this morning, despairing at your own sin, feeling unworthy, there is good news. There is a Lord of grace who promises to make his people 
more beautiful than this world has ever seen beauty. More beautiful than this world has ever seen beauty. In that day, the branch of the Lord, the people of the Lord, will be beautiful and glorious. Only the Lord Jesus can do that. He'll wipe away the filth of his people. He'll make them beautiful and glorious. He will defend them from every enemy. Then that's what verse 5 is. Then the Lord will create over all Mount Zion, over all those who assemble there, a cloud of smoke by day, a glow of flaming fire by night. Over everything, the glory will be a canopy. It will be a shelter and a shade from the heat of the day and a refuge from the storm and the rain. Complete protection for his people. For all those who turn from this judgment, turn from their sin, and fear the Lord. Take the hand of the Lord Jesus. He promises he will remake us in beauty. He will be our faithful father to care for us more than any father ever cared for his children. To provide for our every need, to protect us from every enemy. From sin and death and hell. To meet our every need. These ancient promises are fulfilled for us today in the Lord Jesus. That's Isaiah's message. In your thinking about the future, let the Lord's day loom large. You might fear the Lord now. There is a day coming when those who reject the Lord will face the majesty of the Lord in, in dread. But to those who turn him, for those who fear him now, instead of dreading him, those who fear him, take the hand of the Lord Jesus. He will be a faithful protector. He will make us more beautiful than this world has ever seen. Keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus. Take his hand. And remember the great future that he is working for his people.